Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, I'd give a rat's ass about Twitter. <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Friday Super Show edition of the show. We are joined by John Ledger and Trevor Sikama from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, as well as the Draft Network. And we are going to talk about the East-West Shrine game uh, that we are going to be covering next week for you. So we're going to set the tone here on the podcast and have a good time doing it. Kyle, welcome to the show. You kind of caught me with my pants around my ankles here. I was uh, away from the microphone when we started recording, boys. So what? Well, it's good, your good, pants good literally to be here. around your ankles when you're away from the microphone? Listen, a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. I can't divulge that information. But what I can say is it's great to be on the Friday show with <laughs> all of you in <laughs> advance of seeing you all this weekend and for the next two weeks living with all three of you with the addition of some of our other cohorts at the draft network. Trevor, talk to us because we're going to be staying at your place here is yeah. Describe to us the level of cleanliness and <laughs> the, the environment in which you exist. Well, how many rats is like too many rats? Oh <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Would you say like three or four is too many? Like, I know you're talking about rats, but like, I mean like general cleanliness, like, like, are you like true, like college dorm room life? Okay, or? So like, you know, have you ever done any dishes? Because we are like, we got like three months worth piling up. Yeah, so if you, if you have experienced that area, right. I just, <laughs> I just muted my mic to vomit. So yeah. <laughs> this is going to be great. Can't wait. You guys are going to love it. Can't wait, wait. How, wait, how many of you have been to a shrine week? Practice. Just Kyle. So just Kyle? Okay. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. It'll be grand old time. But seriously, the cleanliness level. (laughs) Yes. John's concerned. Yeah, you're going to love it. Yeah, you're going to. It's great. You're going to love it. Uh, Boy, I'm scared. It'll be just like you're camping. Except. Yeah, definitely. Except indoors. Just camping. Big camping guy. (laughs) Big outdoors, sleeping outdoors guy. Yep. For sure. Well, considering you have to backpack about 30 miles to get to the nearest gas station, John, with to your house. <laughs> the nearest gas station is down the street for me, but <laughs> I, the gist of what you you're just, saying. You is just had to clarify that for everybody. Well, actually, yes. he's that guy. Well, actually. I had to be that guy. Can't completely let you slander. Because if you said literally just about any other active modern day institution, that would have been true. But. Not the gas station. That's the one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Kyle gas called station. me when he went to your house the first time to pick you up to go to the combine. Call, Kyle called me. He's like, I'm like three minutes away from John's house, but I don't think anybody lives anywhere near here. And we we kind of <laughs> talked it through to make sure he didn't uh, get abducted on his way to your house. I live in the middle of town, but yeah, uh, depending the, on where the you're town comes from. out of nowhere. The town is like a thousand people. Yeah. John, I'm, oh I'm, boy, I'm, could not be me. It's telling me hopefully I'm five will not away, be me very much longer. And I'm like driving over this mountain ridge with all these windmills around me, and I'm just looking around like, am I going to get blown off the side of this thing or what? 
not from here and no this is how this is how an, this is how an alien this is how an alien movie starts like with a cornfield <laughs> yeah, and a right. random guy from out of town Next, driving you know, the in. engine shuts off oh you yeah. can shoot some sign stuff up here no doubt about that we could yeah this this is where bird box was filmed actually okay so i'm i'm legitimately never staying with you uh, no it, well we're we're not going to be here because i mean my wife's like ready to run away every day not for me well hopefully not but but from this area yeah, she's like from the creatures that's from on, the creatures, from the aliens, yeah, we can't be. We're not. We're not sticking around to be part of the production. Let's just do it we, that way. Can we talk about prospects, please? Are we going to talk about football today? Or are we just going to? Seems take off. it away. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I like how Joe Kyle. set the table and then just wiped his hands clear of the last three minutes of conversation. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, go at it. <laughs> um, so we have superlatives today on the show. We are talking top offensive prospect, top offensive sleeper top defensive prospect and top defensive sleeper. And you all will be very pleased to know we have done our homework ahead of time. There will be no overlaps. So no uh, shortcuts here in the analysis. Trevor, I'm going to start with you. We're going to start with top offensive prospect on the roster for the 2019 East West Shrine game. Who you got? Okay. My top prospect is LSU running back Nick Brosette. Uh, I did a five play prospect article very early in the year. I believe it was right after that first Miami game on Brosette. And Brosette is a guy who was a very touted recruit, but came in behind the likes of Leonard Fournette and Darius Geisen. He had to wait his turn. And, you know, those guys had fantastic college careers. So it's kind of, uh, you can't really take anything away from them. In that regard, especially with, with, with Brosette not getting a lot of carries. But this year, his senior season, they really kind of let him run the show. Not totally. Uh, he, had, he was in a little bit of a committee as well. But by far the most attempts he's ever had in a career. He had 240 attempts this year, got over 1,000 yards, um, had an over four yards per carry average and 14 touchdowns. And so it's been a really productive year for Brosette. I don't think he's necessarily full of you know, these elite NFL traits that are going to make him a top 50 back or anything. I do think that he's probably going to be a day three guy, but I think he brings a lot of consistency to the running back position. I think he's a guy that you can throw into a committee um, and get a lot out of because this is also a really high character guy. It's a guy who coaches rave about um, that. Every time I've done research on, on who he is and where he's come from and what people have to say about him, he's a guy that you would want as an end of the roster guy in the NFL, especially at the, the lower end of a running back committee. So he's not going to be a guy that super wows, but we know that because this is the Shrine game. There's not all those kinds of guys. A lot of them go to the Senior Bowl first, but Nick Bro said, I'm going to have my eyes on him just because I've liked what I've seen early on in the year from him. John. Mine is Demarcus Lodge of no surprise to anyone who's heard me talk or listen to the podcast. I think that uh, he's, a legitimate day two wide receiver, super talented guy, um, can go up and win at the catch point, uh, but also has the speed to win vertically. So I honestly thought he was like a lock to be one of the top wide receivers of the senior bowl. Really the only name I would say that's truly like surprising to me that didn't make the senior bowl roster. Um, so I think that he'll tear up the competition at the trying game. And if he doesn't, I'll be disappointed and I'll have to go back to the tape, but I have seen basically every game of his the last two years, I think. So um, I've, I've seen a ton of him, and I think he's super talented, and I hope that he has a heck of a week uh, down at St. Pete because I think he's the top guy there that I've seen. I, we should probably throw out as a disclaimer, we haven't seen every single person on the Shrine roster. We've seen most of them at this point. At least one of us has seen most of them, but there are some guys we haven't seen. So the guys I've seen, he's definitely the best one. Joey. All right, I'm going to go with Miami offensive tackle Tyree St. Louis. Uh, spent a lot of time, obviously, watching the ACC this season, 
And while the ACC does have the national champion, Clemson Tigers, it doesn't really have a lot of good offensive linemen, including on the Clemson Tigers. Uh, but one guy that kind of pops is Tyree St. Louis, 6'5", 312 from Miami. Uh, started uh, for over 30 games for them. He played primarily on the right side until his senior season. He flipped over to the left side, and I really kind of thought it was going to set the stage for a really great season for him because when you watch his tape going into the year, you saw a guy that would, you know, for his size, six, five, three, twelve, he's really, really good mobility. He moves well. He gets into his kick step. Uh, you can see, he can slide and redirect his feet and he has good length and power. Like, so the, the foundational traits are really present, but you got nervous about some sloppy pass sets and kind of his ability to frame rushers and stay square. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe a good summer work and spring and getting his, his pass sets right and getting over to the left side would set the stage for him to really break out. And he really didn't at the same time, I thought he still had a good season. And there were, there were times where I, I felt like those physical traits that he has that really impressed me uh, did take over. So what I, I get excited about with him is that I think everything that he struggles with is fix, fixable. You know, the stuff that isn't fixable, you know, it's there that like the stuff that you need in terms of mobility length and, and, uh, and size and all those types of things are good. But if he can get the technical side down, I think he can be a, a good player. So I'm anxious to see him at the Shrine game. I'm going to continue to bank on his upside. Who wants to place bets on who I'm going to say? Well, um, man, I don't know. This could be tough. Uh, is it Taylor Cornelius? It is not. You're in the right ballpark, though. It is quarterback. Like is to talk about Easton Brett Stick? Rip, Brett oh. Rip, boys. Brett Rippin uh, okay. had a career year this year. 30 touchdown passes, uh, but beyond the production, the things that stood out to me for Brett, if you've heard me talk at all over the course of the last three months, I apologize. You're going to get the same spiel. I thought he pushed the ball better this year. I thought he was more decisive. I thought he did good things under pressure as an anticipatory thrower, getting the ball out of his hand early before his receivers are making this, their breaks. Uh, I thought he threw to the sidelines really, really well. Uh, I thought he threw up the seam particularly well this year. Completed 67% of his passes, which was a career high. 3,700 passing yards, career high. 30 touchdown passes, career high. Averaged 8.9 yards, adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, He checked a lot of boxes for me that I had concerns with. Is he a big-armed quarterback? No. Is he a prototypical build? No. But he's 6'2", like 205, 210, somewhere in that ballpark. And he has just enough athleticism that he can kind of move off his spot a little bit. Is he going to be a guy that makes a ton of plays happen with his legs? No. But depending on what your offensive system is, Brett Rippon can be an average to low-end starter in the NFL, in my opinion, which for the Shrine game is a huge get. So mm-hmm. that's uh, he's in my, my back pocket as my top offensive prospect in this year's Shrine class. Joe, I'm going to kick it back to you for our top offensive sleeper. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Pitt running back Kadri Olison, and him and his teammate there, Darren Hall, had a monster seasons combined and were the reason why Pitt won the ACC Coastal and had a chance to lose to Clemson in the ACC Championship game. Uh, but Olson's <laughs> had the chance. <laughs> well, look, look. Being honest about the, I was ACC. wondering if I heard that wrong. Yeah, had the chance to lose the. <laughs> Come on, let's let's call it what it is, folks. Oh, it's savage. Yeah. 
So Olison, right, he had a really good freshman season for Pitt, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, and then he really kind of faded away in 2016 and 2017, and then he popped again as a senior with uh, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, and I think there's a lot to work with here. He's got uh, really good size power. I think he sees the field well. He's actually 6'2", 30. 6'2", 230. He's a big guy, but I like the way he moves for that size. He catches the football well, and like I'm not saying he's overly dynamic in any one area, but the fact that he has that size, he moves well, he catches the football, he wins in pass pro, I, I like the boxes that he checks. And so when you talk about value and running backs and the guys who you think about on day three that can really overperform based on where they're drafted, I think Olison is a guy that's kind of a good candidate to be that type of player. So anxious to see his athletic ability in person uh, at the Shrine Week, and, and I think he's got a chance to, to make some noise in the NFL. John. Jordan Jamu is my guy, but I do want to give shout out to Joe. I think Quadri Olson's a great choice. I think he could definitely make some noise this weekend. But Tiamu, man, I just when I watched him, I just kept being impressed with the natural tools and that offense is simple. And I mean, if you've ever heard uh, them talk about their offense at Ole Miss, you know, um, I think that it's pretty clear that it's not doesn't put a lot on the quarterback, and that's kind of how they like it. Uh, and I think that that part of Tiamu's game will need to develop, but. Really good mechanics. He hardly ever misses the easy stuff. I like that about Tiamo. I know that seems ridiculous, but if he were a first-round guy, I would think I would say, you know, okay, that's a weird thing to get excited about. But for a guy that's probably going to be a backup in the NFL, that's really good trait to have because that means you can build a game plan around him. He is almost never off target with the short to intermediate stuff. Good mechanics, sets up quickly, snappy over the top release, can adjust that release point as needed and still keep velocity in the ball. I think he's a really good thrower of the football. He's shown the ability to drop it in the bucket vertically. Um, my big question with him is the mental side of stuff. That's the part I really want to see him make progress, progressions, uh, not getting flustered, keeping his movement sound in the pocket, uh, being able to move from one read to the next because they don't even really call him progressions in Ole Miss's offense. So there's going to be a lot of NFL uh, terminology and uh, things he's going to have to see pre-snap and that kind of stuff that's going to make him an ideal developmental type of guy. But if he can get some of that stuff down and they rave about his work ethic and his smarts and his character there, if he can get some of that stuff down, you know, to me, he just has all the right traits that you want in a developmental guy. You want athleticism. You want a really good arm. You don't want to have to overhaul him mechanically. And you want a guy that's going to put in the work and get the respect of his teammates. He had all that at Ole Miss. I think if he can pick up that other stuff and bring it to the field, I think you could see a good quarterback down the road. So um, he's the guy that I'm most excited about in terms of sleepers for the, for the offensive side of things at the shine game. My pick for offensive sleeper is Nebraska running back Devon Zigbo. This is a guy that kind of popped to me. Uh, he is six foot, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, big boy. A lot of big backs at the Shrine Game this year. I think Brissett's the lightest at like two eighteen. I think like they they got some size there, but a Zigbo stands out to me because he can move laterally. He's got really smooth feet. And for his size at listed 235, he's got a nice second gear on him, too. So I think, you know, it, in Scott Frost's offense, they finally kind of unlocked his potential. Uh, he averaged 3.8 yards per carry in 2017, averaged 7 yards per carry in 2018. Big, big difference as far as production and getting him space and, and letting him make those kind of lateral cuts, pressing up into the line of scrimmage and sliding into that adjacent gap to, to burst up on the second level and challenge linebackers, which he does very, very well. Uh, caught 23 balls as well. So he has 
some viable three down skills. He's got pretty nice hands. He wasn't a volume pass catcher by any capacity, but a guy who's got size, they can stand in and potentially be a pass blocker guy who has soft hands and a guy who for his size is really, really smooth. Azigbo is an under the radar guy because he didn't really make a mark before this past season, but he did a really strong job in 2018, setting himself up for pro success. Uh, John, I'm going to kick to you for top defensive prospect. Top defensive prospect for me now. I don't know if I, I, Joe has the guy that is my top guy. I want to preface by saying that right now, but I am intrigued by a bunch of other guys after that. And I just decided to pick one for this. There's a couple guys on the defensive line, Terry Beckner, Michael Dogby. And then the guy that I'm picking to talk about is Rennell Rand. I just think traits wise, again, goes back to what I said about Tiamo. If I'm looking at, you know, guys that I want to develop and really in this defensive group, as I look through the group, I didn't really see anybody that I was super excited about in the top two rounds that I've seen. So for me, Rennell Wren was kind of the guy that, man, I just think that if you're taking a guy in the mid rounds, his size, his profile, he's got length. He's got an unbelievable build. He shows an explosive quick first step and power, but technically, yeah, he's like a battering ram, just kind of throws his body into offensive linemen. He's got to learn how to play the position technically processing, you know, work off of blocks in a functional manner. He's just kind of a, very much. I think you said this Kyle, when you watched him bowl in a China shop, that's exactly yeah. what he is. He just, he's crazy. And I think if somebody can get him in a, in a spot where there's a good D-line coach and develop him, his traits are just super interesting to me. So I don't even know that he'll have like this unbelievable week or anything, but I think that just as a raw package, he's the kind of guy that you're looking to draft in the mid-rounds and develop. My top defensive prospect is Miami corner Michael Jackson, who came into the season, he was very well regarded. And uh, Jackson had a a down year as far as ball production. He had four interceptions in 2017, zero in 2018. But Jackson's big. He's listed at 6'1", 200 pounds, and he's very physical. I think he's a scheme-specific kind of corner. But at the same time, you get a guy like that who can reroute you at the line of scrimmage. There's some value to be had there. You see this is is a really popular trend for teams across the league is they want guys that can reroute jam up at the line of scrimmage. He fits that kind of mold. I'll be interested to see how he, as a guy who entered the season as a, you know, I don't want to say top shelf corner, but he was a favored corner by a lot of people. If he dominates the week, the week, the way that you would expect him to, if he's the caliber of a player that we thought he was before the season, Trevor, my top defensive prospect, I'm going to go Jojo McIntosh, the safety from Washington. Uh, I watched McIntosh last year and actually really liked him. And I was like, okay, this kid, I think he's a little bit hectic, a little bit erratic, a little bit out of control. But I was like, he plays with a lot of speed. He plays his heart out. Um, he's pretty good in run support. Watched him a little bit more this year. Didn't I, I didn't think that he took like a jump like traits wise. So I was like, okay, I'm not sure where the potential is for this guy, but really, really experienced. Um, he redshirted his very first year at Washington. And since then, I mean, he played in all 13 games as a, as a redshirt freshman, started all but one game redshirt sophomore year. And then the last two years of his career, he started every single game in safety. So this is a guy who has a ton of football experience, um, knows how to play the position, even if it's not at the highest level. Uh, and I just think that, you know, he, he, is another guy who can be a really nice, 
maybe rotational player, backup player, back into the roster guy, special teams guy, whatever you want to be. I just think that Magatosh is a pretty good football player. He's got a ton of experience under his belt. Jail. I'm going to go with Wyatt Ray, uh, Boston College edge rusher. He had a big season here as a senior, 11 and a half tackles for loss, as well as nine sacks. And well, the weird thing about that is those sacks came in bunches. If I'm not mistaken, they came in like two games and then he didn't have sacks in the other games. But when you watch him play, you really see a, a guy with a lot of twitch and a lot of juice and a lot of explosive ability working up the arc. And I think that's really a, a good thing, right? I mean, we talk a lot about some of these, these, I guess, lesser prospects in terms of edge rushers. And they're guys that you kind of like some of their technical ability, but they don't necessarily have the juice. Well, we kind of have the opposite here with Wyatt Ray, where he's got a lot of juice, but the technical upside's not really, or the technical refinement's not there with his hands and how he attacks blocks and those types of things to really maximize his athletic ability. But I like, like, like what I said with Tyree St. Louis, I think the stuff that we need to work on with Wyatt Ray is fixable stuff. He's got the athleticism. He's got the length. And so uh, he's a player that I think if he can kind of put it all together and continue to ascend, I think he has a chance probably to be maybe the highest drafted player from the Shrine Week. And so he's a guy I'm going to play close attention to, see if those hands and his rush variety uh, is something that improves uh, getting ready for this event and how he does in these 1v1s. But I think he's got a chance to make a lot of noise, and he's the guy that I'm probably most excited to see, not just on the defensive side, but maybe overall for this event. Moving on to defensive sleepers, I'm going to lead us off here. I'm talking Temple defensive lineman Michael Dogby, who is 6'3", 280, uh, and had a career year, much like my offensive sleeper, Divine Azigbo. Uh, Dogby had 72 tackles, 7 sacks, and 12 and a half tackles for loss with three forced fumbles this season for Temple. Really, really nice stats. And uh, he's pretty nimble. He's got nice fluidity to him. He changes direction well which you would expect for a guy that's an undersized defensive tackle. But you watch him against Maryland, Big Ten school, and he flashes in that game. He's able to kind of redirect his, his momentum fairly well for a bigger guy. So you got a guy that can get off the snap. You get some nice lateral redirection skills. I think there's a little bit of a ball of clay that you could work with here in Dogby that if you get him in the right situation, you let him learn from, from other pros that are on the roster, you get some technical skills as far as how to stack blocks, the line of scrimmage with his hands, and then subsequently how to get rid of those blocks. There might be something here. Let's go with uh, Trevor next. Uh, my sleeper is Troy cornerback, Blaze Brown. And this is a dude who listed at six foot, about a buck 85. Um, he's kind of a lean corner, but he got three years starting experience at Troy. First two seasons, six interceptions in his first season, five in his next one. And then this one, he only had one in, but he had uh, a tie to career high in pass defended. So, you know, it's clear that this last year um, of his career at Troy, they just were not throwing the ball much at this dude because he was taking it away so much in the previous two years. And so I've watched a little bit of his tape, and when I've seen it, he's an outside corner, plays a lot of cover three. That looks like what he's most comfortable in, but he's played some man coverage as well. So he's an outside guy. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does, because especially last year, I remember the West group of defensive backs, um, playing defensive backs, a lot about confidence. It's a lot about attitude. And when you come into a new week with new players around you, new coaching staff, 
it's not the easiest thing in the world to be confident in yourself right out of the gate. Cause a lot of that has to do with your environment. But I remember the West team last year, even in practices, they were building each other up, giving each other some confidence. By the end of that third day, that defense back group, you were seeing the best of them and they were flying around and, and they were owning some of their offensive counterparts. And so I'm hoping that you see that same kind of environment with, not just these corner group, but cornerback groups on both rosters. And we really get to see the best of Blaze Brown because they talk him up a lot at Troy. And I know that people um, have really kind of liked him and, and put him on my radar going into this event. So he's definitely the guy from the small school um, that not a lot of people are talking about that I'm going to have my eye on. John. For me, it's Matthew Betts. I wrote about this guy. He plays in Canada for Laval, I think is how you say where he plays for. Uh, but at the collegiate level, he has just really dominated at Canada. They say he's, one of the best Canadian prospects of all time. He is the number one player on the CFL, like scouting borough uh, that they have up there. So he is, I think David on Yamada a couple years ago was on that as well. was yeah. number one. And so um, I think that uh, they're excited about him uh, for sure. Coming down here, it's like on Yamada had the size that translated right away. Betts is I think six two two fifty, but is he athletic enough to play outside linebacker was what I thought when I was watching him, I was like, I just don't know. And, you know, I'm not sure whether he's going to be able to translate. And it's interesting because somebody sent me combine numbers from when you make the all-star game up there, they also run the players through combine testing and they sent me his numbers, but not only his numbers on Yamada's numbers and on Yamada tested better in, uh, in the, in the actual scouting combine when he was here in Indianapolis, he tested considerably better than he did there, which makes sense. He had more training, I think, at that point, obviously more time off to focus on the actual events. So I understood that that was part was different. But what blew me away was Betts had like a six, six, five, three cone up there in Canada, yeah. which is crazy. His shuttle was his shuttle was like four oh seven or something crazy, too. I have no idea whether it'll translate for him or in what way. I didn't see that type of stuff when I was on when I was watching him, but they do play like two yards off the ball in Canada. So it's a lot harder to, to corner as a pass rusher, uh, which was a unique part of the evaluation. So all in all, I just want to see him again. He has unbelievable hands and like a pass rush plan. His inside spin is deadly. I just kind of want to see him in person, like get a feel for his athleticism in person. Is this a guy that can play with NFL athletes that can test at that type of level, have an athletic profile at that level. But Based on what he did in college, I mean, the guy, he had like 12 sacks his first season in Canada. You know what I mean? And they don't even, they only play like eight games uh, and they don't th even throw it or traditionally throw it at least as much as we do a lot of quick stuff. So that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, that was in his first season. I think he had nine and 10 and nine again. Then his, so he, he just tore it up. I mean, he, he was in the backfield almost every play at that level. So I just want to see how that translates uh, to the actual week in St. Pete against better competition. Joseph. All right, I'm uh, I'm excited to see Kyle Phillips. He's a defensive end from uh, Tennessee. He is a former five-star recruit that really kind of blossomed as a senior, a guy that people were, were kind of labeling him as a bust uh, with a lot of the uh, Tennessee, you know, big-time recruits that they were been able to get on the defensive line that really didn't, you know, materialize into good players and I I'm, I'm reminded of of what uh what Trevor's been talking about with the, so with those Florida players and how they just didn't get developed under Jim McElwain. And I think it's a similar thing with Tennessee where they had a lot of talented players, 
but it, under Butch Jones, the development wasn't there. And so he's a guy that under Jeremy Pruitt this, this last season, he really came on strong. He had a really good season. He's uh, he's the reason, uh, well, I'm not going to say the reason, a big reason why Tennessee was able to upset Auburn. He was a standout in that game. And uh, when you watch his tape, I think you see a guy that, that projects well as a base end in a 4-3. He's a 6'3", 273. He's a really good run defender. And he's a guy that they moved around quite a bit. And I thought he had a lot of success rushing the passer from interior gaps. And so um, want to see what type of edge rusher I think he can be. But I think there's a lot of tools that are here that are present that are are kind of peaking here as, as he's played more football and got better coaching. And I hope that continues at the at the Shrine Week because I think that there's a skill set to develop here. Well, Joe, they may not have developed him at college, but Bush Jones produced a whole lot of champions in life, which is – the most important thing. Yeah. Can't we disagree hope you guys with that. Enjoyed this shrine superlative, which is definitely what I'm titling this when we publish, by the way. Shrine yeah. superlative. Uh, the draft network will be live in St. Pete all next week, live in Mobile, Alabama, all of the week after covering the shrine, the senior bowl. So make sure you check in www.thedraftnetwork.com. John is at Ledyard NFL Draft. Trevor is at Tampa Bay Trey. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. We're going to be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Draft Network, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, Draft Dudes Podcast, daily podcast, five days a week. What more could you possibly want? Use us as we really ramp into draft season. We're so excited for you guys to take the ride with us. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with the Draft Network crew, and thanks for listening to this Draft Dudes Super Show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.